Hello and welcome to the GTR News Brief. It's Thursday, May the 28th, and here are a few of the top stories from the world of trade and trade finance this week. As policymakers pull out all the stops to prevent economic collapse in the face of the COVID-19 pandemic, supporting trade credit insurance to facilitate bank lending has become hugely important. But a collection of industry associations, including ITFA, are warning against a disproportionate focus on ECA guarantees and whole turnover insurers. They say this could risk causing a distortionary effect on the real economy. More than half of UK businesses are considering selling to new markets in response to COVID-19. That's according to an independent survey of 900 businesses commissioned by logistics company One World Express. However, there is still a lack of awareness of support provided by the government to help exporters. And in other news, the International Chamber of Commerce has warned that as much as $5 trillion of trade credit market capacity will be needed to return trade volumes back to 2019 levels. In a new report, the Global Business Organization says that the uncertainties created by COVID-19 will result in an increased need for trade finance products over the medium term. However, the ICC adds that without rapid interventions, the market may not be able to meet this demand. For a closer analysis of this story and others, head to the GTR News site for more. Now we take a closer look at a major story from last week. On the back of the COVID-19 pandemic and a historic crash in oil prices, two major Singaporean oil traders have collapsed this year, Hinleong and Zenrog. Banks are now reportedly jittery and are restricting lending to firms trading in all commodities, not just oil. This has led to regulators urging banks to not withdraw financing for Singapore's beleaguered commodities trade sector. Earlier on, I spoke to senior reporter John Basquill, who covered this story. Yeah, so what we've seen is the uh, is the unexpected collapse of two major oil trading companies in Singapore. Um, at the moment, uh, obviously, the, the collapse in oil prices uh, and the COVID-19 pandemic have put a huge amount of pressure on, on the oil, oil trading business in general, everywhere in the world. Um, but in these two cases, there's a bit more beneath the surface uh, that's worth taking a look at. So... First of all, Hin Leong, um, uh, one of the largest oil trading houses in Asia, um, Hin Leong's founder uh, and chairman uh, told investors in April this year the company had made these huge financial losses that hadn't been disclosed. And then at the same time, oil that had been pledged as collateral for loans that uh, Hin Leong had taken out, uh, that oil had already been sold. So that kicked off the process, essentially, of, of working out who is owed what. We've been told by some sources we've spoken to, that uh, one of the problems is that alongside the legitimate trading activity at Hinleong, um, the company also appears to have obtained financing for, for fake trades or uh, was able to obtain financing several times over for the same for the same trade. And then the second case, the second collapse, is Zenrock, which is another fuel trading house in, in Singapore. It was reported uh, around the start of May that HSBC, one of the lenders to Zenrock, had, had filed an application to the, the High Court in Singapore asking to have the company placed under judicial management, um, and that request was approved. At the same time, Zenrock's headquarters were raided by police because, again, there were accusations of fraud, so potential fake trades or, or, or duplicate trades. And so, like Hin Leong, banks are now in the position where they have to work out who can claw back what. 
So what do these collapses actually mean for banks? First of all, um, for the banks that are exposed to these collapses, so in other words, banks that provided financing to Hinleong or to Zenrock, or both, um, that are trying to work out who's owed what, the accusations of fraud are really important. So if there have been fake trades or duplicate trades, it essentially means um, one bank might have a claim to a particular asset, but then finds other banks also have a claim to the same asset, or that asset may have never even existed in the first place. They then have to fight that out between each other. So, um, for example, an example we were given uh, was they might have to reach an agreement over who takes control of oil that's left in, in storage tanks. Um, but more generally, banks involved in the oil trading business in Singapore are, are nervous. So not necessarily those with exposure in these two cases, because not only do you have those once in a generation macro factors that the, the, the virus and the, and the oil price crisis, but you have companies that appear to be in good financial health suddenly turning out to be on the brink of collapse. And based on what you've heard, to what extent are banks now pulling out from the Singapore oil sector? It's difficult to say uh, what will happen here. Some of the banks are obviously more open than others. Um, ABN AMRO, which had exposure in the Hinleong case, um, reportedly of around 300 million US dollars, um, says it's already reduced its activities in certain sectors uh, in, in recent months and years. So that includes commodities finance and also some other areas like uh, diamond trading. Um, uh, but the bank says more de-risking is clearly necessary. Um, that's taken from its Q1 filings for this year. Um, we're aware from sources that other banks are currently reviewing their activities as well uh, in terms of financing commodities trade. And uh, we know in the case of at least one bank, there's been a temporary halt on everything except the most necessary lending, um, essentially just to ensure the companies that are receiving funding are in good financial health. And John... Can you tell me who is urging them to not pull out? Yeah, so regulators. Um, so in this case, notably, it's the Monetary Authority of Singapore, the MAS. Uh, regulators are keen uh, for banks to keep providing finance to the oil trading sector. Um, so we spoke to the regulator, we spoke to the MAS last week. They told us banks uh, are expected not to rely on, um, on what they call broad-based sector de-risking. Uh, so in other words, that's withdrawing from the commodities finance sector as a whole on the basis of a couple of high profile cases where things did go wrong. Um, the MAS also says banks are still expected to carry out credit assessments of borrowers on a on a case by case basis. So again, not that kind of broad sectoral approach. And the MAS says the uh, oil trading sector as a whole is still in good health and lending to fuel companies is, is still happening. So what next for banks? Where do they go from here? The question now for banks is how they can avoid being in the same situation again. Uh, and it's obviously, that's not an easy question. Um, uh, for some, uh, it's a case of banks asking difficult, question, uh, difficult questions to borrowers at the outset. So uh, interrogating balance sheets to check their reliability, really looking into um, whether a, a company's trading activity makes commercial sense or whether there's uh, a fraud risk there. Banks could look at toughening due diligence processes, for instance, carrying out uh, on-site spot checks. So, for example, if you're providing um, inventory finance for oil products, you could carry out a physical site visit. Another possibility that was put to us was um, uh, requesting personal guarantees from the shareholders or, or from the management of a, of a company, essentially to make sure they have skin in the game. But the problem there, all of that comes at a cost uh, and... I think it's fair to say it's probably easier to spot problems with the benefit of hindsight once things have already gone wrong. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the GTR News Brief. We'll have more stories from the world of trade and trade finance soon. The music used for this episode was provided by Kevin McLeod with his track Loopster, as well as South London Hi-Fi with their track Sunrise Drive. Thanks for listening.